you know, when I think about the early part of my 20s and that middle part of my 20s, I think I saw life as like a bit of a checklist of, okay, graduate, then get the great job, tick. Then maybe get a slightly better job, tick. Then get engaged, tick. Then buy a house, tick. And I was tick, tick, ticking all these things. And, you know, they, they felt great. It felt really nice to buy a house. And, you know, I, I'm so glad that I, you know, I'm still married to the person I married and it was absolutely the right decision <laughs> and it was lovely. But those moments are only ever moments. Welcome to the Myself Included podcast, the show about covering taboo topics many of us wish were not taboo, myself included. I'm your host, Tiffany Chazowan, and today's guest is with Sophie Cliff. Many of my favourite kinds of people were discovered online, and Sophie's one of them. Having come across her as she shared some joyful content on Zoella's Instagram takeover, I had a nose around and I love what she was all about. From her work as the joyful coach, her down-to-earth vibe, to her sunny disposition, you're going to love her. So today's guest is with Sophie Cliff, coach, podcaster and speaker. As a joyful coach, Sophie helps people live their most joyful lives, whatever that looks like to them. And today's topic is on intuition. I think I'm quite in tune with my intuition, but I know there's much more to it, like having the confidence to actually listen to it and do something about it. So I have no doubt we'll take some joy from this and um, let's get to it. It's my absolute pleasure to welcome Sophie. Hello. Hey, thank you so much for that lovely introduction. (laughs) So as the joyful coach, what is your take on intuition? What does it mean to you and would you trust your gut instinct? Yes. So intuition has been a big theme, I think, of my life for the last couple of years. And the way I think about intuition is that it's just about building a better relationship with ourselves. And it's about learning to trust and what, you know, what our gut is telling us, learning to build that self-trust. I think from such a young age, we are taught to listen to other people. You know, we as soon as we're conscious we are about listening to what our parents say and then listening to what the teacher says and then we go into the world of work and it's what our bosses or our peers are saying and so often you know we believe that the answers lie outside of ourselves I always say this to clients that you know any situation you think about you know how to start a podcast you can google and find the answers and find a guide you know wanting to run a 10k you can google and find a guide and we so easily, you know, take that external validation and that external answer above ourselves. And I think, you know, that has only got worse with, with the internet and with, you know, Instagram being able to see what everybody else is choosing. And I think about intuition as really slowly coming back to listening to the voices and listening to our gut, because again, as I tell clients really regularly, we are the only people who have been there for every experience, every conversation, every learning moment, every, you know, every hour, waking hour of our lives. We are the only people that have been there for all of that. You know, we might have partners who know us really well or our parents might know us really well, but we are the only people who can hold all facets of ourselves and can draw on everything we've ever experienced. And so the reason why that gut instinct feels so powerful and is so often right is because it's drawing on all of those experiences and so that's how I like to think about it is you know you think about the Facebook algorithm it's always trying to glean more knowledge about you so that it can give you better recommendations that fit for you and actually we already have all of that knowledge we already have all of that 
data and information about ourselves. And that's why that gut instinct and that answer that lies in within ourselves is often so powerful and so correct because it's pulling on, you know, years and years worth of data and information. I can relate so much to that. It's funny, isn't it? I think as well, when you're a young adult, I think teachers and our parents have a tendency to say, well, I'm older in my years, so I know. And it's like, we're not old, old, but we, like you said, we've experienced stuff. And I know reading about your story, you kind of got to where you are today because of um, like grief, unfortunately. And yeah. you know, I've experienced a lot of grief. I'm only 26 years old. doesn't always mean because you're young, you have or haven't been through something. Um, so yeah, I yeah. totally get that. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, so often we want like a one size fits all approach to Mm -hmm. life. And that's why, you know, we have this certain societal conditioning of, you know, follow this traditional path and everything will go well. And I absolutely bought into that until, like you say, I had this, this point in my life where I experienced some loss and some grief. And up until that point, I was very much play by the rules, do as everybody else says, listen to the teachers, listen to the parents, listen to everybody else except for my own gut intuition. And I had this sort of deep-seated belief that if I did that, everything would always go right. And I could just quieten this voice that was telling me that, you know, I perhaps needed to change or do something differently. And it was only at that point that I thought, God, I've been playing, you know, playing by the rules my whole life up until this point. And awful things have still happened. And so isn't that a signal to perhaps try things a little bit differently you know there's no one keeping score on how well we behave or you know how (laughs) along the path we we tread but I think sometimes subconsciously we do sort of believe that even whether we're conscious of it or not we sort of have this deep down belief that if I keep keep playing by the rules everything will be okay yeah and I find that quite hard because I'm quite by the rules as well but in other ways, I like to yeah, kind of break the boundaries, I suppose. And when people say, this is why I started the podcast, it is what it is, that's life, you know, a job's a job. I disagree. I think you spend more time at work than you do anywhere else. And I think, you know, you can still buy by the rules, but kind of flex things up a little bit. But so, I think many people, like you say, just go by society's path lane and that's it. No, you know, open-mindedness to anything else. So Yeah, and, and it... It's, I suppose it's easier in a way because yeah. those rules are laid out and sometimes, you know, as I'm sure we will talk about in this conversation, sometimes it feels a little bit more intimidating and scary to go off in a slightly different direction. But ultimately, you know, the trust in that gut instinct that is there to protect you, I think is, you know, absolutely the right thing to do. Yeah. And, and sadly, it's a bit of a negative note, but sometimes you follow what people want and I've got friends and family that do this and, and life just steers you in a different direction. You know, I've had friends that have brought quite an expensive house and then one person's gone self-employed, the other person's had to take a bit of a pay cut and it just happened around the same time. And other people that have got the house, the marriage, the car, etc., and it's gone a bit south and you can do all those things that society's saying. It can still go a bit, you know, you know, turn a t- take a turn. So, yeah, yeah. I think- <laughs> I think this what, what this year particularly is teaching us all is that there is no insurance policy for life. Like <laughs> it doesn't matter how like how straight to the path you stick, how much you save, how much you know you follow all of the rules. Sometimes something like coronavirus can just you know appear <laughs> and 
pull the rug out from under you. So I really like yeah. that policy. <laughs> Makes me laugh. So if you had any like aha moments, those kind of gut instinct feelings. I have, and I've had a couple. And I think I feel now really comfortable when I have those aha moments because I feel like I have a good relationship with my intuition and I do a lot of reflection and checking in and I have this, you know, I feel like I have a better relationship with myself. I think when those sort of aha moments are more scary is when it's sort of earlier on when perhaps that intuition, you know, that relationship isn't there or it, it isn't as close. And so I suppose the big first one for me was deciding myself to work with a coach. So it happened probably almost two years to the day, actually. My husband and I had gone on our honeymoon and it was the first time I'd ever taken a decent chunk of time off work because we go on you know, the odd city break, the odd week here and there. But I was so sort of in that path of, you know, excelling in my career and doing well there. And I was a bit of a workaholic that we just never did it. So we took two and a half weeks off work and went on this amazing trip. And having that sort of step back from reality, I think helped me to sort of listen to that intuition a little bit more because the noise of general life had dimmed for that time that we were away. And I remember sort of the second week of the holiday starting to think, I really didn't want to go back and just get stuck into, you know, how life was before. And I'd had this little niggle for a while, probably for a good two, three years, actually, that the career path I was on wasn't quite right. But again, you know, instead of listening to that, I thought I'll get a different job and maybe that'll make me feel better. Or, you know, I'll do some things on the side and maybe that will plug the gap. And I was looking for any other answer other than the thing that was staring me in the face that was, you need to make a change. And it was while we were on that holiday, I can remember so vividly sitting in a hotel room in San Francisco and a lady that I'd been following for yonks who I really admired put up on her Instagram story saying, I've got two slots left for coaching this year. You know, when they're gone, they're gone. And something in me just was like, yep, that I, I need to work with this person and I need to face this reality that I want to make a change. And it was so scary. It was a big investment. It was totally out of my comfort zone. I had a very traditional career path. I worked for big corporates like the Walt Disney Company and Hallmark Cards and you know, tech startups and things like that. And so it felt like such a switch but there was just something in me that was like right okay I've got to do this and I think that actually was the starting point of me building that relationship with my intuition because I listened to that and straight away I knew it was the right decision and I think part, that is a big part of it something I talk to clients about a lot is it's about reflecting on the fact that those decisions that you listen to you know when you listen to your intuition go right because we we are so good at imagining the worst case scenario. We are so good at thinking, if I do this, what, what is going to happen? How is it going to negatively impact me? And actually being able to reflect and go, I trusted my gut here and it was the right decision really started me on that path, I think, of listening to it more. And then I think the other big aha moment, and I suppose the, the moment when I realized that I did have this better relationship with my intuition was again similarly about this time last year I was still working in my previous role in a tech startup and my boss called me in for a meeting and basically gave me 
a, a bit of an ultimatum in the sense that she said, we are restructuring. We've got this brand new role that we'd like you to take. It's bigger. It requires more time spent down in London. I live in Leeds. So, you know, it was a lot more travel and that kind of thing. But it was bigger. It would allow me to have more interaction with the board. And, you know, it would have been a real career defining moment. And the the opposite was that if I wasn't to take that role, my current role didn't exist anymore. So it was either take that or decide to, you know, leave the company. And even as I sat there, even as she was saying to me, I could hear this voice inside of me going, this is it. This is the time. This is, this is the sort of pivotal moment you've been waiting for to make this leap and find this courage. And, you know, I still had that little dance back and forth of talking to family and talking to my husband and, writing the good old pros and cons list but I knew from I can picture myself so vividly sitting in that office room and thinking nope this is it I know what I know what to do here and I think it's such a an empowering feeling and it's so scary because that obviously then you know catapulted lots of change and lots of you know lots of scary moments but ultimately you know I knew straight away what the right thing was to do and I think that is the power of building that relationship with the intuition is it takes so much of that um like back and forth and constant mental bickering I'm always um (laughs) I'm always a bit remiss to admit you know that that feeling of the two voices in your head sort of going back and forth and I think does everyone experience this or are they going to think I'm really (laughs) odd but you know that draining feeling of never quite knowing which side to choose I think you're building that intuition and putting that time into it just makes those moments because we all have those moments I imagine there are so many listeners having those moments right now as we navigate this you know the choppy waters and the uncertain times but the more you can sort of understand and listen to what that voice is saying the more you know the easier it is to make those decisions ultimately yeah, I don't know about you, but I can be quite an overthinker and yeah, sometimes by by the rules, but I've always wanted to do stand-up comedy. And years mm-hmm. ago, I saw a course and I don't know why, just things like the fact it was in London didn't quite work. So I, I didn't go ahead with it. Then I came across a really cool brand and they were doing a one night workshop. And I did not think for more than three seconds, I signed straight up. I just knew from following the brand and just knowing my intuition. And I knew that even if I didn't do the stand-up night, I could just meet some great people and just give it a go the night couldn't have gone any more better it was a phenomenal evening like yeah best experience ever so it really goes to show and my next question kind of thinking about how I ignored the first course was do you think sometimes listening or in fact ignoring our intuition can bring happiness even if just for clarity that it's not the right time for something yeah I think it can be really confusing sometimes as well and a a conversation I have a lot with you know both my clients and my friends in my life is like, is this my intuition or is this my fear? And how do I tell the difference between the two? Because it, I, you know, with that example, you've just shared with that first comedy course, it could have been very easy to almost convince yourself that the reason why you weren't taking that wasn't that you'd listened to your intuition. It was that you were scared and you didn't want to get out of your comfort zone and all of those sorts of things. And I think that is the really tricky part. And that's why I, So there are a few things I do to sort of strengthen this relationship with my intuition. You know, I journal every day. I do lots of checking, lots of reflection at the end of the month of, you know, what went well, what didn't. And I think that is the the thing that helps us to start differentiating between those different voices in our head of, 
actually, yes, this is the right thing to do or no, it isn't. And there have been a few, you know, examples like that, I suppose, particularly since I've taken my business full time, there have been opportunities to go and, you know, present at corporate workplaces and, you know, on paper, that feels like a very good fit because that's my background and it gives me the opportunity to, you know, stand up and talk and, you know, share the message that I'm so passionate about. But when those requests come in, I always know deep down it's not the best use of my time. And I think it's only by being able to recognize the two different voices that I can see what I'm sort of turning down out of fear and what I'm turning down because it just isn't the best fit. And I think that is a really tricky line to sort of be able to draw. But you're so right, reflecting on that evidence of when you've listened to it in the past and when you've ignored, you know, the call to do something different and then something better has come along, I think is really key. And I think a big part of this here as well is that self-trust and that trust that there will be another opportunity. I think we are, we live in a very sort of black and white society of, you know, it's either, it, this, this is either the, you know, it's going to work or it isn't, or, you know, you do this thing or you don't. And that's why so many of us take these traditional paths because we think there's no other option to us. Or we think the other option is, you know, so far removed from the type of life we want to live that, you know, it's just, we, we have these real sort of binary um, ways of thinking. And I think actually being able to trust that it's okay, this opportunity isn't the right fit for me but something else better is going to come along is a real skill actually, because like I say, we, we have this scarcity mindset of if I don't take this chance, that's it. And I, you know, I might never get the opportunity again. Yeah. I think if we like to people, please, we like to say yes. And I think the fear gets worse when we're beginners, like podcasting's new to me and we've got like a mentor and he kind of says, you're so far from where you were at the beginning. It just feels very overwhelming because you're a beginner. So you're not going to be an expert from day one. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that you should go, okay, I'll stop and put that down now. It just means, you know, it'll come with time. So, so do you think that we struggle to trust our intuition? Um, because it often also means, you know, vulnerability and change that comes with it. Do you think we fear that side of things? 100% and I think you know going back to what we were saying earlier we have never been taught to trust our intuition we we had we just don't live in a society where that is you know inbuilt into us and I see so often you know the work that I do with my clients yes there is some you know tangible stuff about they want to change career or they want to build a business or they want to you know do certain things but actually often when we get to the end of the six-month process and we reflect back on what's happened, what happens in that time is that we've just worked together to help them build that trust and help them build that, you know, in, you know, that relationship with their intuition and start to trust that they have the right answer. So I think there is a lot of fear and I think there is a lot of, you know, particularly what you said there about vulnerability, doing things against the grain feels so scary. And I know for me, even when I, you know, for example, the decision about leaving my safe, secure, you know, job and going out into the world of self-employment and building my own business, even though I 100% trusted my intuition that that was right, it was still really uncomfortable to have that conversation with my boss at the time or to tell certain friends that, you know, this was the decision that I'd taken because they perhaps, you know, I think often the reason why we fear other people's judgments is we know that they might see it as a bit of a reflection on themselves. And so, for example, 
you know, friends who I'd been on a similar path to, sometimes we think that they will believe, you know, oh, why don't you trust that we're all in this together or we're all on the right path? And they see it as a bit of a rejection of what they've chosen sometimes. And I think that really does build that vulnerability. But I love, um, I know you've mentioned before that you love Brené Brown and I do as well. She is absolutely (laughs) like an icon to me. And she talks about how you can't have joy without vulnerability. They are absolutely linked. And that is something that I always try to remember when I'm trying, you know, I'm taking a, a big leap or I'm making a scary decision or I'm trusting my intuition against, you know, everything that that protective part of my brain is trying to tell me. I trust that, you know, that vulnerability will lead to joy and it will lead to something better. And I think another thing that has really helped me is understanding how our minds work so you know in the the line of work I do I'm really lucky because I find you know I'm such a geek about these things I absolutely love learning about our brains and how they're wired and why they work and a big thing for me was learning that you know that need to belong that need to fit in that need to be liked is hardwired into us so just like you know when we are hungry we feel a physical sensation that is because as humans we've developed to build in something that reminds us to eat because we need that food for survival and way back when we needed to be part of a tribe to survive and we need to be part of a pack otherwise you know we weren't gonna we weren't gonna make it through the night kind of thing and so that need that physical desire to want to be liked or to want to fit in you know that feeling that we get when we feel a little bit lonely or rejected is there to teach us that you know we want to fit in and I think for me understanding a little bit more that 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 fear of vulnerability is ultimately a fear of rejection and that is something that is just very human really helped me to go like I understand that but you know a there a what is the likelihood of pure rejection because when you actually start to get into you know into facing these fears you're like okay I'm probably not going to end up with no friends and no family and no people supporting me you know luckily and then also choosing you know I might not fit with that part with that group anymore or it might be you know for example I always joke that when I told people in my previous job that I was leaving to do this there were a few people particularly in the accounts department that were like oh (laughs) god that's brave are you sure and you know I might not fit with those people anymore and they might see me as a bit you know of a maverick or whatever but they aren't the people that I choose to belong to anymore I want to belong to a group of women who are building businesses that have impact and the people who I want to make proud are my husband and my family and you know they really are proud of the decisions that I've made and so for me that I think was something that really helped me to conquer that fear of vulnerability and and ultimately I think that vulnerability is often a a fear of rejection or a fear of being called out on something. God, I can literally relate to every single word you just said. <laughs> okay, so you have, yeah, you've spoken about how you had that inner voice when you were climbing the career ladder, but you, yeah, you decided to follow your passion and now become a self-employed life coach. So mm-hmm. what was it that made you take the leap to do that? So it sounds really straightforward when you replay it like that and go, you know, you're doing this and you change. And in the, the truth is, Uh, you know and I think anyone who says different is lying or streamlining it was a back and forth dance and so you know I 
if I really rewind it back, I went to uni and did a totally wrong degree because I wasn't listening to my intuition. And actually the first, that's probably the first moment I can recall my intuition really trying to get loud and tell me that I was on the wrong path and I pushed it down. So I went to uni and studied economics and it was because everyone had told me this is what will set you up for the best job and this is what, you know, will stand you in good stead. And a couple of months before, like we were due to find out where we got into university, I had this voice that was like, this isn't what you should be studying. You should be studying English. And I worked with my English teacher at the time and we tried to get me applying to some different universities, but everyone was at capacity and it would have meant taking a year out. And so I thought, I'm just going because otherwise I'll be the you know only person left at home when everyone's gone to uni. And, and I think that was the first time that I sort of didn't listen to that. And then you know, I went to uni, it was fine. I didn't love my course, but I had a great time, met lots of friends, met my husband, all great. Went into a graduate scheme again because it was like the done thing, but it was fine. I quite enjoyed it. There was lots of, now looking back, it's quite interesting because I think part of the reason why I loved that graduate scheme so much is there was so much personal development stuff. I got to go on lots of courses about NLP and how our minds work and that kind of thing. And then, you know, that that career path continued and I ended up working lots of different corporates and and I think it was probably probably about 2015 16 time I was at Disney and I had this on paper brilliant life so I had this great job you know it was a I have nothing no bad words to say about working there it was a brilliant company I had a lovely team I was so well looked after you know in my personal life, we were saving to buy a house. We just got engaged. Everything was going swimmingly. And I just remember thinking, this doesn't feel right. This should feel like, you know, I've won the life lottery and it doesn't. And I think that was the first sort of niggle. And I knew deep down, I think at that point that I wanted to work for myself. I was reading so many blogs about people who'd set up their own businesses and people who'd, you know, lived life a little bit differently. And I was con- stalking people on LinkedIn thinking like how did they get to that position and what did they do and really trying to look at like you know what what the different things could be but I really didn't believe at that point that I had any skills that because you know my job was very within the world that I was in you know I worked in sales and marketing but it was very specific and very you know corporate to a sense that I couldn't really think about how I might take some of those skills and transpose them into a different career and so what I did at that point you know in 2017 I think it was just yeah it it was around that time instead of listening to that voice that at that point was really strong saying you know this isn't right I just went and got a different job and thought that that would you know fill the gap and almost like be a plaster over what I was feeling and it would it would be fine and again I think whenever we start anything new, we do get that surge of energy because change is good. And, you know, again, similarly, it was a brilliant company to work for, had some great friends there, had some brilliant opportunities. And in hindsight, those opportunities have definitely helped me on this path. But I'd basically just, you know, tried to fight, tried to fill that hole with something that I knew wasn't quite right. And I think that's where it got to that point in 2018 where I thought, I've got to explore something different here. I'm never going to feel satisfied. I'm never going to find the perfect job. I need to build it for myself. But I still really, at that point, didn't 
know that coaching was the fit. So I had a blog at the time that I was writing on and I was writing a lot about the power of positivity and, you know, a lot of the things that I'd learned. I've always been a big self-help junkie and a personal development junkie. So I was writing about a lot of those things, but it was for me only with working with that coach that I said, you know, I had this aha moment of I've just got to work with her and it was only working together there that I was able to unpick and peel back some of the layers that helped me to get to the answer. I think deep down, this answer has always been there. And in hindsight, I can see, you know, the reason why I loved the graduate scheme was because it had a lot of this personal development stuff. And the reason why I was always drawn to these certain books is because I liked understanding how our minds work. But for me personally, I had so much of like the way I like to describe it is almost a bit like an onion of the very core. I knew what I wanted, but there were so many extra layers packed around that, that I couldn't almost like the answer was muffled out. So for me, working with a coach really helped me to start peeling back. Is that something that I believe, or is that a limiting belief or is that, a you know, someone else's voice in my head? Am I doing that to impress my parents or to impress my friends and to really start peeling back all of those societal obligations and expectations to get to the core of actually what the work that I want to do is in, in empowering people to live the life that they want to live and live a joyful life. And, you know, as you alluded to earlier, that was happening at the same time that I was really, you know, going through this big shakeup in my life in 2000, late, summer 2016 we really tragically and suddenly and unexpectedly lost my younger cousin and that for me was a you know we hear these quotes all the time of like life is short and you know make every day count and we read them on Pinterest and on Instagram but I don't think I'd ever really felt the weight of like oh life is short and it can be cut short I think I had this like I don't know (laughs) yeah I think I beforehand I had this like subconscious arrogance that oh Mm -hmm. life might be short for other people but it'll never happen to me and it'll never happen to my family and that moment really made me start going okay life is short and am I living my life in a way that aligns with my values and that gives me the best chance of living a happy life or am I just playing by the rules and so I suppose the two things went hand in hand in that as I was in my own personal life, starting to pick everything up and go, does this fit? You know, does this bring me joy? Am I doing, you know, the best here? Am I living in alignment with my values? I was also starting to think about how I could help other people go through the same process. And I suppose that was the the starting point for me. I then went on to, um, to retrain as a, as a coach and get some qualifications. I started my own podcast practical positivity to start talking about some of these things and and it essentially has gone from there and I think that's why when I reached that point this time last year where I had that ultimatum I'd already done so much of the heavy lifting in terms of the thinking the assessing the starting to build you know a slightly different career path I hadn't I didn't you know sort of quit my job and then retrain I was doing the two things hand in hand and that's why that decision was so much easier because I already knew deep down that that was what I wanted and I'd already started to lay the foundations and then yeah it was easier to make that leap. Rest is history. Yeah (laughs) Yeah, I know a few people myself included that works in marketing and I think you might not have say a degree in something or say an NLP 
certificate but because marketing requires a lot of people skills i think you can quite mm-hmm. easily kind of go into different different avenues so um yeah it's really exciting so did you experience any backlash when you made that decision i know you spoke about the accounts department <laughs> there was a i think i always expected that there would be some from both the company that i was in and from previous places i'd worked as well you know now i can see that those people only really knew me within that corporate setting and so it did feel really strange because the, the the version of me they were used to seeing was the one presenting at the big meeting on a Monday and you know very straight laced and professional and and I think that is a big part of intuition actually is being able to be our authentic selves all of the time and I absolutely wasn't I was a different person at work than I was in my personal life and I always felt like I had this sort of split personality so there was you know some there and I I can understand it now because they didn't really, you know, to them, it would have just seemed like such an extreme thing to go from having this very, you know, and successful corporate career. You know, I was doing well within it. They couldn't understand why I would throw that away. And there was a little bit with friends as well, actually. And it's, it's interesting. So within my friendship group, there's a real split. So my friends from home and who I grew up with, a very, very mixed, like some are creative types, some are teachers, but we're all, you know, none of us really understand each other's careers. And so they straight away were like, sounds good, go for it. Whereas my friends from university and from, you know, the jobs that I've had since university, I suppose we've always known each other and we've all followed a similar path, you know, differences in that some people are in marketing and some are accountants and, you know, consultants and various things. But we all went into these corporate careers. And so there was a little bit, I never, you know, I wouldn't use the word backlash. It was never anything other than, you know, supportive, but it was a little bit like, are you sure? Are you doing the right thing here? A little bit like, has she lost her marbles? Like, is this a midlife crisis <laughs> kind of you know, response? And again, I think it's because there is a little bit of, and I've experienced this before when friends have chosen a slightly different path, it makes us go, oh, is that something I should be doing? Like, am I not doing this right? Do they not think that I know what I'm doing? And, and I think there was a little bit of that. But as, you know, as the dust has started to settle, they've been absolutely supportive. And, and similarly with parents, you know, I'm so lucky that my mum and dad have always, you know, they've never pushed me into a certain job or a certain career path. They've always just wanted what is best for my sister and I. But I think they had a little bit of fear, you know, when I made this decision of, you've worked this hard, you've built this career, like, is this something that is going to work? Is this, you know, something you can actually do? And, and again, I understand that because at the time I was made, I made that decision. I was by no means making a full-time income from this. It was a leap of faith in the like, you know, something is going to have to change between now and the end of my three month notice period for this to work. But, and, and again, as soon as they saw that, you know, I was putting those measures in place. I could do these things. I could explore more. They were 100% behind me, but I suppose there was that little initial wobble of, are you going to be able to pay your mortgage doing this? You know, is this going to be, is this, is this a dream? You know, are you sort of shooting for the stars when we should be, you know, like you said, there's so much of this rhetoric of well, work's meant to be boring. Work's meant to be hard. And I think perhaps there was a little bit within you know, friends and family of, so you don't like your job. Nobody likes the job, you know, what of it? 
and it's only now that they can see you know I've done something a little bit differently and I've built this different life and it's working that they go oh maybe you know maybe there is something in it there and I think um I read a book earlier this year I don't know whether you've read it called Untamed by Glennon Doyle who is nice. incredible and I would really recommend the book to to you and anyone listening um because it's just so empowering but she has this one line in it that I've really held on to and has been like a little bit of a mantra for me of these last couple of months and it's the she says there is no such thing as one way liberation and she talks about how when we start to like step into our power and live a life that feels really good to us it can often feel like we're abandoning you know people from our previous worlds and it can feel like you know we are leaving people behind when actually us doing that shows other people that that's possible and it liberates them as well you know if we can build something that is successful and feels good and allows us to live this most joyful life it liberates other people to think that that is a possibility for them and I think that is a big key theme behind the work I do and why I'm so vocal about the fact that you know it might be better from a marketing perspective for me to say oh yeah I've been doing this my whole life and you know I just fell into it and it's great and I'm an expert whereas I'm so passionate about sharing the fact that <clears throat> that wasn't the case for me because I think it liberates other people to believe okay yeah she was on this wrong path and she's she's changed and what that what might that look like in my life and what might that mean for me it's interesting because you took the plunge at quite a critical point of the kind of um, getting engaged, getting the house. But I often wonder this, that there's always things we need and want and there's always things coming up. And it's probably never going to be a good point. And because you had, sadly, the grief of your cousin, yes, it probably was the worst time for you to do it. But then when is there a good time, you know? And yeah. I think that's really interesting that when you, when you took the plunge. What would you say then to those who are debating whether to take that plunge? So I think I would absolutely mirror what you've just said in that there is no right time. And I think this is a conversation I've been having a lot, particularly in this last couple of months, because, you know, there are clients that I was sort of two, three months into working with and then the pandemic hit and they thought, well, that's it. I can't, I can't follow this dream anymore. I can't follow this passion. And I think we will always be able to find a reason why not to do something. And, you know, our brains are really creative, that inner critic, that loud voice in our head that doesn't want us to make change because, you know, as humans, what we crave is consistency and safety and security. That's why, you know, the pandemic has got so many of us feeling antsy because we, you know, we crave that consistency. And so when we are making a change, our brains get really loud and try to, you know, tell us all the reasons why something isn't going to work. And so we will always be able to find a reason, you know, whether it's that the economy isn't strong or, oh, I've got all these things next year, so I'll put that off for now. Or, you know, this big presentation's coming up at work, so I just need to see that through first. We can always find a reason. But ultimately, and this is something I say a lot, I share, I've said it on my podcast a lot, I share it on Instagram a lot. I really truly believe that you wouldn't have the dream if you didn't have what it takes to make it happen. And I believe that because I've seen it, you know, with my own experience, but I also see it week in, week out with my brilliant clients is that that niggle, that voice, that dream is there for a reason. It's not 
you know, appeared in you because, you know, it appears in everybody. It's there because you're the right person to deliver on that dream and that idea. And that sounds quite woo and it sounds quite, you know, high concept. And I'm, you know, the reason why my podcast is called Practical Positivity is because I'm a big (laughs) believer in making these things practical. But that is one of those sort of big concepts that I really believe in is that 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 dream is there for a reason and even if you can't see the whole path ahead right now you will figure it out as you go and what I would say to anyone who is in that situation of being like do I make a change do I not you know do I start down this different path do I take a leap whatever it is they might be thinking I would say a listen to that dream and trust that it's there for a reason and B, all you need to know is the next best step. I think so often we don't do something because we want to know, okay, in one month I'm going to do this and then in two months I'll do this and then in two years' time my life will look like this. And A, that's not how life works, as we've discussed. You know, these <laughs> big things come flying out of the air. My nan, I've got a, all my family are scousers and my super scouse nan always says, And all of a sudden came a dirty great pudding. And it's this idea that, you know, you think that you're going along and then out of nowhere comes this big, you know, life plot twist or curveball. And so we can't make those big, long, you know, long term plans anyway. All we need to know is what is the next best step. And I think that is really the power of trusting that intuition is just asking yourself what is the next best thing to do? What gets me closer to feeling like the person that I want to be? You know, if we've got this vision for the future, if we've got this vision of a dream life that feels really good to us and feels really inspiring, and I think we can all conjure up, you know, often when I start working with clients, I say, okay, if I could wave a magic wand in five years time, what would your dream life look like? And they could say, oh, I'd live by the sea and I'd do this and I'd have this creative job and I'd work with loads of other, like, similar minded people and and they can reel off what that dream version looks like to them and trusting your intuition is just about coming back to saying okay if that's the the dream what is the next best best step that gets us a little bit closer to feeling like that person to feeling like we are embodying this person that we want to be and so you know way back when you know I was talking about being in that hotel room in San Francisco I knew the vision was to one day be able to quit my job and have more freedom and more flexibility and do work that, you know, felt like I was truly making an impact. But the best next step at that moment was to work with a coach. It was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this yet. I don't know how I'm going to figure this out. But the next best step that gets me to feeling like that person I want to be is making this investment in myself, committing to something stopping just talking about it and actually putting some action behind it and then you know similarly when I was sat having that conversation with my boss I didn't know exactly you know how I was going to go from earning a little bit of money on the side to this being my full-time income but I knew that the next best step was to you know start my three-month notice period get the ball rolling and start figuring things out from there so I suppose they're the two big tips I would say is that like trust that that dream is there for a reason we are so good at convincing ourselves that it's a pipe dream and we can never make it happen and it's not for us or you know people like me don't get to do things like that we're so good at coming up with all these excuses but if you can just flip that and start to go this is here 
for a reason and I'm going to start listening to it and I'm going to start exploring it and then also thinking it's okay if I don't know every single step it's okay if I don't have you know a critical date path mapped out of how I'm going to deliver this I just need to know the next best step to get me feeling a little bit more like the type of person I want to be yeah and I think like you say even if you're not following your intuition right now as you just said earlier the steps you had of the um, personal development you did the NLP that has made got you to the point where you are today I know in my career I've had clients that became bosses and bosses where I stopped working for them and came back for a different role and I think all those things happened for a reason you know to the next opportunity that I had and in terms of like making a leap I correct me if I'm wrong but I think I saw um, a client of yours say that they didn't necessarily leap to a whole new different venture, but they found like a new role in, in their current business that they work for. So that mm-hmm. was nice that it was a bit more they're following in their kind of more comfortable environment, not necessarily a massive leap into being self-employed. And I really like seeing that. Yeah, I honestly believe, because I think there is a lot of noise online at the moment, you know, depending on who you follow and which camp you're in, there's a lot of noise that sort of, that, you know, living life a little bit differently and you know doing things on your own terms but actually when you start to see it it looks like everyone's living life quite similarly and that they want this you know to build their own business and be self-employed and all those sorts of things and I truly believe it isn't for everybody you know I've got friends who absolutely working for themselves is their idea of health they like going into the office every day they like knowing what they're doing but you're so right getting the more we can get clear on those sort of internal values on what we are really good at on what that vision for the future is the more we can start to have those conversations and start to shape our lives a little bit and I think again it's something that we don't feel is available to us because we're not taught that you know you could tweak that current role or you could have that conversation with the boss and I loved sharing that piece of feedback from the client you mentioned because it was just a real reminder that you know you don't ask you don't get sometimes we've got to forge these paths you know for the first time ourselves and and I think you're so right about what you said about you know all of that previous experience I think for me I when I first started retraining as a coach and deciding to go down this path there was a little bit of like grief there of I've spent 10 years in this other world and has that all just been for nothing and I think that was something I had to wrangle with a little bit and where some of my fear of change came in was, you know, I've spent, I've dedicated a lot of time. I've sacrificed a lot in this last decade to get to this point in my career and now I'm going to change it. And, you know, that, that voice and that desire for change was so strong that I went ahead and did it anyway. But what I can see now is that actually there's so much of that experience that I use every day. So, you know, i host quite a few different group coaching programs and that involves me you know turning up delivering a presentation telling a story helping people apply tools helping people you know building a bit of a community and actually in my previous role as a salesperson and as a account manager so much of my you know job was about honing that presentation getting that story just right helping people buy into a bigger vision and helping people to apply change and so it's easy to see it as, again, very binary of, I'm going to take this different direction. I'm going to do something different. But there are skills that I use from my previous career every single day, whether it is, you know, things like I've just said there, or whether it's about being able to run a 
P&L sheet and being able to understand the finances behind my business or being able to feel confident enough to have conversations like this one because that's what I did all the time. You know, I was often having, you know, conversations and building relationships in that previous career. And so I think that's important to note as well is it's not about starting from scratch. It's not about being a complete beginner. It's about taking everything you've learned and realizing that the majority of the skills that we build are so much more transferable than we believe and then building on that and steering it in a slightly different direction to a path that feels more suited to you. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm intrigued to ask you, because you talk about having everything society sets us up to desire, so the house, the marriage, the career, and how actually happiness comes from the smaller things in life. Can you talk about that stage in your life? Yeah, so I think, you know, when I think about the early part of my 20s and that middle part of my 20s, I think I saw life as like a bit of a checklist of, okay, graduate, then get the great job, tick, then maybe get a slightly better job, tick, then get engaged, tick, then buy a house, tick. And I was tick, tick, ticking all these things. And, you know, they, they felt great. It felt really nice to buy a house. And, you know, I, I'm so glad that I, you know, I'm still married to the person I'm married and it was absolutely the right decision <laughs> and it was lovely. But those moments are only ever moments. You know, it's not that you get married and you suddenly get an upgrade to feeling 100% all the time. You're still the same person. And you have this lovely weekend that is incredible, but then you, you, you come back down to the same level that you were at before that wedding or before you bought the house. And, you know, there's this idea, the myth of a rival fallacy. We think once I get that job or once I lose 10 pounds or once I save 10 grand, I'm just going to feel like a much happier person. But the science tells us that we see this you know, if you think about it in terms of a graph, you see this spike of happiness once you achieve the goal. And then very quickly, you come back down to the same level you were at before. So what I believe is that a much better way to incre- you know, improve our well-being, to increase the amount of joy we feel within our lives is to focus on the little things because it's the little things that are going to raise that base level a little bit higher. And it's not to eradicate the highs at all. You know, we still want those those happy moments and those precious moments but it's about making sure that when you come back down to the base the base is higher than it was before and so for me there are a few things that I found really shift and improve that base the first is gratitude and gratitude is really about coming to those simple everyday things when I think back to you know when I was 25 26 and I was on this rat race of chase 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 I wasn't present in my day-to-day at all it was about get to the weekend because we're going on that city break or get to next year because we're buying the house or it was constantly future focused and gratitude really makes like helps us to ground ourselves in I'm so lucky to have the people I have in my life I'm so lucky to do this work I'm so lucky to have this roof over my head and it takes away that comparison layer because I think when we're constantly on this sort of achievement like checklist we are looking at everybody else in our life and we're sort of thinking you know whether we like to admit it or not how am I doing against these other people Um, have I got more ticks on the list am I like you know reaching the milestones at the time I'm supposed to reach them and that makes us miserable because we constantly feel like no matter what we achieve you know it's then about the next thing so that gratitude really rooting in the present moment I think is really important 
And then another thing I talk about a lot and again, work on client, work with clients on is about because of this need to reach these milestones at certain points. And because we think, you know, once we get to this point, we'll feel so much happier. We often take like the, the quickest route to something or what we think is the most productive or efficient route. And we don't think about what is actually going to make us happy in the process. So like, you know, an example that I'm sure lots of people will be able to relate to is every January we go, oh God, I feel all sluggish. I want to like feel a little bit better. So I'm going to go to the gym five times a week and I'm going to go on a diet and I'm going to cut out all alcohol and that's how I'm going to start feeling better. And because we see that as like the quickest route to feeling like a healthier version of ourselves, Whereas actually if we pause and we say to ourselves what is going to feel good on route like what is going to bring me joy in the journey as well as in reaching the destination we might think I'm going to try that yoga class I've always wanted to go to or you know a couple of nights a week I'm going to try some new recipes and you know try and nourish my body in a different way or actually what is going to make me feel healthier is just prioritizing sleep this week and again that's about coming back to everything we've talked about about intuition it's really leaning on what feels good for me rather than what feels good for everybody else or what feels like the quickest route. And I think we can apply that thinking in so many areas of life. When we think about how we want to feel rather than what we want to have, we, we, you know, we, we raise that bar of that happiness base level because we're building that joy into every day. You know, think about those two different scenarios day to day, if we go with option A, it's like, oh, I've got to get up early and go to the gym and I feel so hungry and, you know, I like feel really grim. Whereas actually, if it's like, oh, I get to go to that yoga class tonight and I'm really excited or oh, we're making that, you know, really great Ottolenghi salad at the weekend and I can't wait <laughs> to try that. That feels like, you know, that's joy in every day instead of punishment. And I think that's, that's the difference for me, really. And it's the same, you know, with careers is, this, this might look great on paper, but what is actually going to feel good? You know, what's going to make me feel excited on a Monday morning rather than like, oh God, work again. You know, <laughs> what, what can we start to build into the day to day? And like you say, they are so often like the little things. I spoke to a client this week who was saying, I really struggle with mornings. You know, I'm really struggling to get out of bed at the moment. And when I said to her, okay, like, what does your morning look like? She said, oh, well, I get up, I have a shower and then I sit at the table and start work. And I thought, no wonder you hate mornings. You are <laughs> straight up and like giving all of yourself to somebody else. And so building in, even if it's just 10 minutes of like, okay, I wake up and I'm going to read for 10 minutes or I wake up and I make myself like a great breakfast and I sit and listen to the radio while I eat it. Building in those little moments of joy really can shift how, you know, our experience of life ultimately. Yeah, because I think sometimes as well, I know you took, I think, a bit of a longer break on bank holiday and you said you were really pleased you did that because you became refreshed. Yeah. I think also I was speaking to like a mentor of mine and she, I was saying about feeling like close to burnout and she went, you haven't got to take a whole weekend. Sometimes just like you say, an evening or a morning where you change it to suit you, that can be your self-care hour or your self-care morning and that can be just as good. Um, so yeah, no, they're really good advice and tips there. We've mentioned the books and different things to keep in mind. and. I love receiving your little pep talk emails and your um, kind of advice and tips on social media. And I know you've been sharing joyful content um, through Instagram takeovers with the likes of Zoella and Thought Clothing. And the Thought Clothing was on the Mental Health Awareness Week. 
yeah. um, I think a topic that deserves much more attention. So how is it being able to spread that joy in times that we all need to hear some positivity? Very much so right now. <laughs> yeah. Do you know, it has been incredible and it wasn't, this is where I, I, you know, coming back to intuition, I had to get really quiet and reconnect to my intuition because I'll admit and this just goes to show you never get perfect at doing these things or living life in this way because when coronavirus first hit, I had a big panic. You know, I'm fresh into running my own business. All the voices in my head, that inner critic was saying, how silly were you to leave a stable, secure job? Like this has come <laughs> along. And I felt really overwhelmed for a couple of weeks. And for me, what really helped there was coming back to like centering myself on, you know, what I'm here to do and what, you know, what I'm passionate about, which as you said earlier, is helping people to live their most joyful lives, whatever that looks like. And really refocusing on that, really getting back in touch with my intuition and saying, what is the best way for me to do that right now? And I went from thinking, oh gosh, I've started this business and it's totally irrelevant because now, you know, now all we're trying to do is get some toilet roll at the supermarket and we've got like no <laughs> other focuses to thinking actually now is the time more than ever when I need to be like banging this drum and sharing this message. And so it has been so, so uplifting actually to really be able to share this content and be able to share, you know, tips that people are telling me are helpful or that kind of thing. But it's also it's also been really great to see how people have been looking for that during this time as well, because I think it's so easy to just fall into this doom and gloom. And I know wholeheartedly that if this had happened three, four years ago, I would have been one of those negative Nancy down and like <laughs> down and out doom and gloom type of people. And I think what has really made me feel excited is how many people have been going no this is an opportunity for change this is an opportunity for improvement this is an opportunity to actually start prioritizing the things that feel really good and really exciting and to be able to have played a small part in that has felt amazing you know to share things that people can use to give some practical tips and to also remind people that you know similarly to what we were just talking about I think when we hear, you know, a living a more joyful life, it feels like something that's quite grand and quite far removed. And actually being able to help people see it's, you know, laying the table and having a really nice dinner, or it is, you know, taking 10 minutes to sit in the garden with a cup of tea. I think actually this whole situation has helped us reconnect to quieter, calmer, more simple moments. And that has been a real I suppose, a silver lining of what has been quite a terrible situation for lots of people. <laughs> well, yeah, that nicely leads me on to how have you navigated your kind of lifestyle and business throughout this yeah, crazy time we currently live in? Yeah. You know, I've been really lucky because A, I, you know, I already work from home. I already, you know, my day to day hasn't changed dramatically because I work from home. I get to speak to brilliant clients all day, every day. My husband has been furloughed, so he's been, you know, cooking amazing meals and bringing me coffee to my little office room. And so that has been, you know, I, I know lots of people who have had it a lot more difficult throughout lockdown, whether that's, you know, managing with small children or having changes in work circumstances and stuff. So I felt really lucky to have my work as a distraction and not much has had to change there. You know, I do most of my work online anyway. 
And I think the, the biggest change for me has been that reminder to like come back down to earth a little bit because, you know, when, if I think back to what my plan was for 2020, it was all about, you know, I'm going to take, we planned to take the whole of June off and we had this big trip booked where we were going to go around the US and Canada and do all these big things. And we were going to you know, spend most of the summer my husband's parents live in north wales on the beach and we're like we're going to spend loads of time with them and we're going to do this and we had loads of weddings and booked in and you know all of these things when i think about it now i'm like gosh where was i going to find the energy for all of that stuff to (laughs) to start with but even though you know i feel quite grounded in my day-to-day i think i still had very much a future focus of oh, but we're planning this and we're going to do that. And then around your birthday, we'll do this. And around this person's birthday, we're going away. And it was very still much in that mind space, like that headspace of, you know, what, what does the future look like? What are we working towards? And I think the biggest blessing for me throughout all of this has been, how do we just make today feel good? How do we make today feel joyful? And, you know, I, I, I really do think that when I look back on this time in a couple of years, it will be the nice things like cooking more with my husband or like sitting in the garden doing a jigsaw or going for nice walks, really just engaging with the present moment has been incredible really. And I hope it's something that I can hold on to and we can all collectively hold on to as we, we start to get back to normal. Because I think for me, it's really real, like really made me realize. And again, another reassurance that, we don't need all of these big shiny moments to to feel happy. We can feel happy, you know, catching up with my nephew on FaceTime for 10 minutes or like I've been planting some things in the garden for the first time ever. And honestly, the like thrill I get when I see like another shoot <laughs> popping up, I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. And, and they're all things that had we had, you know, this big road trip and all these weddings and all these things that would have been lovely we would have missed out on a lot of that, that day-to-day joy. And I think experiencing it from the other side has really reminded me to keep a better balance of the two moving forward. You know, I am excited to be able to travel again at some point in the future. And I want to be able to spend more time with friends and family, but not at the expense of all of the other stuff. Yeah, the balance is, is really important. And you spoke earlier about sort of not losing people but kind of gaining more of your kinds of people and I love kind of following my tribe as as they call it online with the likes of Brene Brown and Emily Coxhead the, the founder of the Happy Newspaper who are your kinds of people? Uh, so I would definitely agree with you on both of those I love <laughs> Brene Brown I love the work that Emily does I think a couple of others that I would add to the list are Glennon Doyle who I mentioned that that brilliant book earlier on she just has such a evocative way of writing and helping you you realize she talks about um intuition as the knowing like this deep knowing inside of you and she writes so beautifully I love um Lucy Sheridan the comparison coach I think she's so great she has a very similar style I think in trying to make things practical I think there are a lot of people online who talk so brilliantly about positivity and joy but it can feel a bit far removed if you're like the average person in the UK who doesn't live on a beautiful beach and you know does yoga every morning. It can feel a little bit far removed. And Lucy is a fellow northerner. She says it like it is. She has some great practical tips and, and things to help. I'm trying to think of some others. Um, Have you heard of Emma Gannon at all? Yes. Yes. yes I love her yeah. content. And I think she's been a big 
pioneer in that like living life a little bit differently and you know really inspiring and in a similar field actually not as well known but very dear to me her work is a lady called Bianca Bass who you might have come across she does um, she works in the marketing sphere but she writes so eloquently about life and about questioning things and she is similarly like so so positive so optimistic and again very practical and relatable in that sense and I think that's really where you know I'm always called is to those people who can inspire but also you know feel feel relatable and feel practical as well yeah and it's funny you say that because one of the things I really like about you is the language that you use like even just some of the things you've said today yeah it's making it feel not so uh, far away from our own lives so yeah I totally get that and you spoke about different people like comparisons and, and so on have you ever felt stereotyped at all um do you know uh, this was a big fear of mine actually because I think the word life coach really does conjure up a lot of um you know a lot of images lots of people are like oh yeah my mum had one of those in the 80s and it was really weird and strange <laughs> American and and I think there is a little bit of that and I think there's a li- I, I've sometimes had a fear of being stereotyped when I tell people what I do, particularly people from my old corporate life. Like they're going to be, you know, you left this big high flying career to be a life coach. But actually I think, I think what's really helped me with that is bringing my whole authentic self to the work that I do. And I think it could have been tempting to go down a route of, you know, following lots of other coaches that are out there and following lots of other people in this space who are very, aspirational and you know you know when I think about the word life coach it's still in my mind conjures up someone like living on a beach in Bali and drinking a green juice every morning and it being very like very far removed from my life here in Leeds in a little tiny terrace house you know where it's constantly gray and I think being able to not feel the need to portray a different image being able to I suppose stand authentically in who I am and bring that to you know the table has really helped I remember when I first started my podcast a couple of years ago my biggest fear was that all of the other podcasts in the space that I you know talk about were either American or they were very well spoken very you know well educated you know I think you can probably picture the sort of very specific accent and I thought, God, who's going to want to listen to like my big northern mega mix accent talk about this stuff? They'll think, who is this person? And, and that was what my imposter syndrome was telling me. But I think actually being that way and bringing that element to an industry that is very, you know, can look and sound very much the same has actually worked in my favor and helped me to feel, you know, if anyone wants to stereotype me, that's okay because I know that I'm just me and I'm just doing, you know, the, the yeah. work that I feel passionate about and I'm doing it in my own way. I'm not trying to keep up with anybody else or do it in anybody else's style. And I think that has helped is, yeah, bringing that authenticity to it. Yeah, it's funny. I used to do the marketing for a business coaching franchise. So I would meet people and I would even be the coach, but it was like straight away, oh, you're a business coach, you're a life coach. And then I had the title evangelist, which brought a whole other kind of religious <laughs> background as well. Um, and I think you do see a lot in person and social of different types of coaches and particularly with their experience. And you see people saying, 
I'll get you 10 digits of money tomorrow. And yeah. there is kind of a trust there. But I think like any PT or therapist or life coach, it's about finding the right one. And, and you can definitely find that. Um, and I'm often titled highly uh, sensitive, but I'd argue I'm more highly empathetic. And mm -hmm. I do get quite kind of wound up when I feel like sometimes people take what I think is quite a positive characteristic of mine <laughs> and kind of sometimes turn it around. And yeah, sometimes even a kind of negative characteristic can be a positive in your life. Um, so yeah, I can be quite highly sensitive <laughs> in certain brackets. Um, but yeah, I also like that I'm, I think I'm quite empathetic. So yeah, it's interesting, the, the stereotype side of things. Um, do you think intuition and decision-making is powerful in all aspects of our lives? So noticing like red flags when you're dating somebody or perhaps not to buy that particular house, for example? 100% and I think <laughs> again it can feel sometimes you can only see in hindsight right you know oh the reason why I didn't take that job or the reason why I didn't you know continue dating that person or the reason why I'm perhaps not as close to that friend anymore but I think it is so like we said you know going back to that idea that our intuition is essentially a combination of every single conversation experience learning point belief we've ever had it's all of that tied up together and so and that there's been a lot of study and research done about this actually it's the, the reason why that gut instinct is so quick and so sharp and so often right is not because it's like some spooky woo thing it's actually rooted in science it's because our brains are really great at quickly filing through you know all of the stuff that we don't see it doing you know going through the mental filing cabinet and going is this a good fit or is it not and i think 100% there have been times when I thought you know maybe I will take this specific course or maybe you know in terms of buying a house we've had you know we had numerous ups and downs when we were buying um our house that we saw places that felt great saw places that didn't and funnily enough um I suppose a, a more recent intuitive experience we've been talking for years about getting our garden done like um and are in whatever this year we're like right this is the, the year we're finally going to get it done it used to be an absolute heap we couldn't sit out there because it was just a junkyard and I don't know why because it wasn't something that we had the budget for because we were planning to go on this big trip in June <laughs> but in March I said to my partner we really should get like we should get something sorted with the garden and I messaged a couple of people on a whim and they came round and someone said, oh yeah, we'll fit you in in May or June time. And these other guys came round and they said, we, we'll do it. We can do it for you. We can fit you in in March. And I was a bit like, oh, wh why can they do it so quickly when everyone else can't do it until June? And, you know, you start to, the logic starts to kick in and you start to think, oh, is this even a priority this year? Should we just leave it? And there was something we said, we're like, no, come on, let's just do it. And they finished like repaving our garden the day that lockdown started the, the the monday that in the evening boris johnson announced that here in the uk we, we were going into lockdown and my god every single week throughout <laughs> lockdown we sat out there and thought said thank god we had this feeling that we just you know <laughs> were meant to get the garden done at this time because otherwise we'd have had no outdoor space we'd have been arguing about why didn't we get the garden done last year and and that felt like Again, it, if we'd have gone down a purely logical, rational route, we'd have probably put it off until next year or probably put it off until later in the summer. And there was something that just made us go, no, do it now. And, 
you know, it ended up being the exact right thing because we won't be going on the holiday. We won't be doing these <laughs> things, but we have done a lot of sitting in the back garden. Nice. Yeah, I think, as you say, lockdown's been very an individual experience for everyone because I live in a village as well and I can go on lovely walks, but a friend of mine doesn't have a nice village to live in, so she can't do those nice walks. So it's been a fascinating conversation. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. I've been, thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. As I listened to Sophie, I couldn't help but think my thoughts exactly. One honest and uplifting chinwag to have. Be sure to check out Sophie online at sophiecliff.com where you can find her weekly pep talk newsletter, blog, social media channels and her joyful coaching. I'll be sharing that joy with you all in the episode notes. Speaking of someone who's signed up to her workshops, programs and coaching, I'd highly recommend adding some joy to your life with Sophie. I'd love to hear this conversation with Sophie brought you some joy. Share your thoughts online at Myself Included Podcast. Before I go, I will end with... The goal is to laugh forever with someone you take serious, unknown.